The Start On Demand. On demand. I went on an exploration mission on Monday, the first day of reopening in Manitoba. I went for a haircut, I went for a shopping mall, and I went for a walk around Osborne Village and Cordon to scope out the patio situation. We'll talk to Bob Irving as CJOB is getting ready to rebroadcast some of the big wins for the Blue Bombers heading into the home stretch as they march towards victory at the Grey Cup. We'll talk to the Manitoba Trucking Association about some of the challenges they continue to face during this pandemic. And we'll speak to a COVID screener at Cancer Care who has written a poem directed towards patients called ICU. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb, and this is the Tuesday, May 5th Cinco de Mayo podcast for The Start. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, for the first time yesterday in over six weeks, another human being laid their hands on me, rubbed their fingers through my hair. Unfortunately, it was an Italian man in his 50s. It's my barber, but... Uh... <laughs> just can't be choosers. <laughs> Gotta take it when you can get it, Brett. That's How right. was it? It was good. You gotta pay for it. It was good. Uh, more details at 637. It was certainly a different experience because he was run ragged with all of the extra stuff he has to do, having to sanitize everything because he's the appointments were still in the same 20-minute intervals, so he had to do all the extra cleaning but also cut hair and try to give a good haircut. Uh, so he was running on adrenaline. I could tell he was just run ragged, and he said he he's having to relearn his job for the first time in 36 years. So... Certainly an interesting experience, and uh, again, details at 6.37. Greg, I want to switch, though. (laughs) I don't know how much of this, and I'm kind of just ambushing you with this here, but you told us quite the tale of what you experienced overnight. Is there any of that that you would care to share? Oh, I could tell you all of it. I don't know how exciting it is to anybody else, but it's sure frustrated the heck out of me. Well, it was exciting to me. 12.30 12.30 in the morning, I can hear uh, Miss Abby, uh, our, our uh, Shih Tzu, she's a little bit of a princess, and she won't jump down off of bed. So she's in bed with Alexander, and she'll she'll beckon me to come and, and pick her up so that she can get down from the bed. And so I hear this little whimper, and then I hear more whimpers. It's like, okay, she wants me to come get her. So I get her. I put her in bed with me, and uh, she goes right in my spot. No, 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 no. I'm coming back to bed. So I nudge her. She lays down at my feet. Then I hear her jump off the bed. I'm like, great. She wants to go outside. So I get up, <clears throat> go downstairs, open the patio door, let the dogs outside. I look out the front door. And my front lights are not on. They're always on. So I turn them on. I switch them to blue in honor of the frontline workers. And uh, then I notice that my car, my vehicle, is on the street, but it's parked in front of the driveway. You're really not supposed to park like that. And so being the stickler that I am, I get my car keys. I go outside my bare feet, and I move my vehicle onto the driveway because the boys have been playing basketball in the driveway. I've been trying to keep it clear for them. Okay? Be the good dad. 
So then I go back to the patio door. I've left it open. The dogs are still outside. I go outside in my bare feet and I realize, oh, the barbecue's still open. Oh no, the barbecue's still on. <laughs> been running propane all night on one of the burners has been running for about six and a half hours. Very low heat, but uh, I'm sure I'll be going to get propane today. So the dog's not interested in going outside. It was actually okay. So I decide I'm going to go down onto the grass and corral them. Well, it's the frozen tundra of Lambeau Field <laughs> because it's down around zero degrees. And so there's a little bit of frost on the grass and I'm in my bare feet and Whiskey decides it's time to play now at 1240 <laughs> in the morning that, it should, that I should be throwing him a stick or something. Ah, it's like herding cats getting these dogs back in the house finally i got them back in the house went back up to bed and do you think i could get back to sleep not so much probably i fell asleep two minutes before my first alarm went at 2 45 so ah, i'm in a happy place i feel like you didn't use your time well you should have just stayed up and like made a casserole or something like that barbecued you should have started barbecuing just kept it going Trust me, McNabb, the, uh, the thought did cross my mind just to stay up. But anyway, here we are, and uh, it's great to be with you guys. I love you so much. And McNabb, you, and we, we talked about this before, Tuesday being the worst day of the week. And you, the first thing you said to us this morning was, I am so tired of being tired. Yes. It's, I'm like, you know how, and we're going to get more into this in the next segment about sleep and our mental health and all the rest, but I, I'm exhausted telling you I'm exhausted. Like I'm boring. I don't want to be the same person every Tuesday who's like, hi guys. Like that guy in the office movie with the red stapler who's just mumbling about the same complaints over and over again. I think I've turned into that person. And so I'm tired of being tired. And then of course I had technology issues. I had to wake up the poor, speaking of tired, had to wake up our poor engineer, John, this morning at 5.15, who, by the way, answered on the second ring with, I think was, yep, yep, what do you need? Something like that. And uh, I'm just, I'm exhausted with the whole thing. And so it's just getting, it's not, your story at least is funny, Greg. I just feel like I wake up at the same time every day with the same feeling of like, ugh, I have not slept. I'm annoyed. I'm not going to bed on time. And now I'm just going to annoy these guys with like an old lady story. So that's who I am. Well, uh, I actually got a decent sleep. I oh, fell asleep boo. on the couch at 7 o'clock, woke up at 10.30, and up, then Brett. I went to bed. <laughs> Nobody wants to hear your stories, Brett. <laughs> So yesterday, phase one of reopening. So I went on a bit of a mission because I was curious about a few things, but there were a couple of things I wanted to take care of. Step one, I needed a haircut. And we spoke to my barber last week, Joe Porco from Tony's Barbershop on Regent. And my appointment was at one o'clock. So when I left here, I think I was at work till about 1130. And uh, I was going to first stop at Kildonan Place because the mall's Reopen because I need a new needed a new screen protector for my cell phone, and uh, I I saw on their list of stores that were opening that one of them was a cellular store. So I figured I'll just go have a look. But as I drove by, I think I got to the Kildonan Place region by like five after twelve, and there was a lineup of about a hundred people outside the mall. So I said no, thank you, because I guess I didn't realize I thought they opened at eleven, but they opened at twelve. Uh, so the line, there was still just the people waiting in line to get in. So I said, I'll, I'll go to the mall after, or I'll try again after. So I stopped off at my dad's first. He needed to load his tires into his, uh, into his car because he's getting ready to swap them out. 
uh, and he shouldn't be doing any heavy lifting as he continues to recover from his heart surgery that he had earlier this year. And then I ran over to the barbershop. So when I got there, I, I had my mask on that uh, was supplied to us here at work. And uh, there, there was a guy in the chair and there was another guy sitting waiting because I got there, I think, at 1240, so 20 minutes early. So I poked my head in and I said, do you want me to wait outside? And he said, yeah, that's probably probably best because it's not a big shop. There's not a ton of room in there. Uh, but the guy who was in the chair that was getting his cut, he was just about finished. So I waited outside, I think, for like two minutes. And then I came in and I sat in a chair sort of at the edge of like just at the back of his shop while he uh, did his thing. But it was interesting because normally it's a very relaxed, you know, it's super chill. You know, he's been cutting hair for 36 years. I've been going to him since I was 11. So for 31 of those 36 years, I've been going to see him. But now he's got all these extra things he has to do. He has to spray down the chair after each wipe. And then he has to spray down the chair that you're sitting in waiting. Uh, he also has to make sure that he like keeps all of his combs in a row. So every time he uses a comb, he has to put it in the sink so he knows that needs to be sanitized after it's done. Uh, and you could tell that he was, I wouldn't, I don't want to say stressed out. I think he was just, like he even said, I'm just running on adrenaline here, man, because I've got to relearn how to do my job for the first time in 36 years because his appointments are still staggered in 20-minute blocks. So he's got all this extra stuff he now has to fit in to that 20-minute window and still provide a quality haircut. So he even said, I think I might need to change the way that I book my appointments, maybe make them like 30-minute blocks instead of 20-minute blocks. Because he crammed and he, he does 26 haircuts in a oh, day. Wow. Yeah. Oh, so, my word. Yeah. How, how did you feel during that? You know, because I, I'm i curious how people feel when they're out there in this in this world now. I was watching the 6 o'clock on Global last night and just the story on the, the, the mall experience now and how there was a security guard at the door. And then everyone, you know, he had a mask on. There's sanitizer at the base of the escalator and all these signs up everywhere and lineups outside the store. And the food court is only takeout. There's just all these changes that, it, like, I caught my breath caught in my throat while I was watching it yesterday because I felt almost teary like i understand why we have to do all those things but then it's just it's just so not the same which we get brett but like it just feels so very different it was you... it was different yeah and i tried to wear the mask I, I wore the mask while he was cutting my hair for him for his you know they say that the mask is better to it can help others it won't help you but eventually i had to take it off partly because it was in the way when he had to trim around my ears but also because it just kept falling down because i was while we were talking and i think when i read somewhere i heard that they recommend when you go to the salon or the barber shop that you should limit your talking but how how do you not talk to your barber my, my, my barber is like a pseudo therapist right so mm -hmm. that's part of the experience uh so i eventually just took it off um, but it was there, you know, I, while I did not hesitate in booking my hair appointment, uh, I, I, I'm kind of worried for him, right? I mean, he's see, if he's seen 26 people come into his shop and he's got to touch all of them, there's got to be, you know, he said he's not nervous or concerned at all. And I wasn't nervous or concerned being in there. It just, it was nice to feel a semblance of normality, but there is a small moment of doubt in the back of my brain on that. But it was nice to get my hair cut. It felt great. I feel great once again, and I'll be going back at the end of the month. And then uh, I went over, I did end up going into Kildonan Place, mostly a ghost town still. There is the sanitizer when you walk in. There's a security guard. Uh, I found uh, the, the cell phone store, and I got my screen protector, and I got out. 
but it was it was kind of it was weird being in that mall once again. Like there were I, I don't know a couple of dozen shops open, but there were very few customers inside the mall. And then I went for a quick walk around Osborne Village and Corden just to see which patios were up and running. And I walked by Carlos and Murphy's; they were just getting theirs ready. I walked past Saffron's; that one was up and running. And uh, there were some tables where there were the groups of four. Uh, it was mostly groups of two, but uh, there were a couple of groups of four. And we just like I was wondering yesterday if I if I were to go to a patio with anybody because I live by myself, or am I supposed to keep myself two meters away? Uh, so we got some clarification yesterday from Dr. Brent Rusin on that. Yeah. So this is the difference between what's uh, you know an enforceable public health order and what's public health advice. So the public health order would require them to have be operating at 50% capacity, and all tables need to be two meters apart. Certainly, uh, sitting at a table, it's going to be tough to have uh, people situated two meters apart. Um, uh, a public health advice is that yeah this is not a return to normal we're not advising people go gather with uh, groups of, of people outside their household and and even go sit on a patio at the same table together certainly we're not going to be putting that on restaurants to try to figure out who's from the same household or not so it's not going to be an enforceable order order uh, but it's not a return to normal this isn't uh, still um, the, the place where you'd get together with 10 of your friends uh, and and go sit on a, on a patio at the same table this, uh, this isn't that return to normal yet. So there it is. I guess no patios for me. The only way it would work, I guess, is if you put two tables in between, like instead of having one table in between, like if I went for a beer with you, McNabb, instead of having one table between us, maybe if there were two tables between us, that could work. But I don't know if that's feasible for these restaurants to have to juggle that kind of stuff around. Yeah. Uh, I appreciate what he's saying that they're not putting it on the restaurant, Greg, to... to manage this to hack the police to say sorry show me that you live at the Mm -hmm. same address or something like that that would become impossible and i am glad he said it succinctly like that i I do still have concerns that what people hear and what they do or perhaps what they don't understand might influence what happens because then then the patio experience is still me going to the patio with the same people i've sat on a deck with for the last two months anyway (laughs) i mean i love them like i really love this family but then i might as well just stay on the deck if you know what i mean greg Yeah, for sure. And so much of this is incumbent upon us to be not only respectful of one another, but to be respectful of these guidelines that have been set out because it's to protect ourselves and to make sure that we stay healthy. So uh, that that's that's where we have some trouble sometimes. We don't know what's good for ourselves and, and we think we know better quite often than the authorities and those that are telling us quote-unquote, what to do. But uh, I think there's some uh, sound advice in that clip from Dr. Rusin. And just just think about yourself and, and think about the ones that you love and, uh, and, and respect the guidelines because uh, that's why we're where we are. That's why we're able to open things because we're respecting them so well, Brett. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Keep those texts coming at 204-780-6868 on where you would go once this is all over. One of our listeners saying, I'd like to just go to Kenora, do some rock climbing. That's from Dan. Kristen, meanwhile, says, I don't have the need or the money to go anywhere else. I'll just be happy when I can eat at Mongo's again. (laughs) Hey, man, that's fair. Some of the need, it doesn't have to be going far, right? It's sometimes the simple things. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I haven't been to Mongo's in years or bongos as I once mistakenly called it. And my friends still <laughs> laugh at me about that. So let us know. 204-780-6868. Meanwhile, that food, 
that you eat at those restaurants? Well, hey, as the Manitoba Trucking Association says, if you bought it, we brought it. Yeah, our appreciation for the trucking industry, I think it's safe to say what truck drivers do for the economy day in and day out has most certainly increased over the past several weeks. And when a truck moves a load, say of French fries to the eastern United States, it does so with the understanding it will be able to secure a load of some other commodity in that region of North America to bring back to Manitoba. Running empty trucks, Loren, over a long distance is devastating to the trucking industry. But we're hearing that that's increasingly happening. And we've had a friendship on CGOB with our next guest for several years discussing things like mental health, the condition of highways in Manitoba. And really, for the past eight weeks or so, we've been checking in with him to hear about the conditions truckers are seeing right across North America. David Henry joins us from the road on this Tuesday morning. David, welcome back. Nice to hear you. Thank you, Lauren. Nice to talk to you guys again. Tell us where you are, David, and, and perhaps how long you've been there with uh, what you're hoping to do. <clears throat> well, today I'm in uh, I'm in Missouri, central Missouri, and uh, we've been looking for... <clears throat> Sorry, my throat is getting funny here. We've been looking for a load in this area for the last several days and um, still waiting. And we have that same issue with drivers in other places waiting to get loads to get us back home again. David, what did you take to that part of the United States, if you can tell us, and talk about the idea or the notion of coming home empty? It's it's not really something you ever want to do. Deadheading, I think, is what you call it. Yeah, we um, this trip here is a little different because we had ordered some new trailers several months ago and they're ready to be picked up now. So I came down to pick up one of the new trailers and uh, so I'm just waiting for a load to put in it. But generally I'm hauling labels for food packaging or some agricultural commodities of another kind, you know, this has to be having an effect on how much owner-operators and drivers are getting paid, no? Oh, yeah. Yeah, like I... We we don't want to come down here unless we have a good chance of getting something. And so we wait before leaving home. And um, so right now we're looking at about half of the freight that we would normally be doing. And I get paid by the miles, so as most drivers do, we're not on any salary, so it uh, makes a big difference. It's been, you know, I think there's a lot of people who might have just had this assumption that the trucks are still moving because goods need to still move, but there's a lot of things that aren't moving right now, a lot of stores that aren't opening, a lot of manufacturers that aren't building or making anything because they can't, David, right now. And and then on top of that, the work isn't going like it used to for you, and the job has been additionally challenging because there's restaurants not open that you can't access anymore. You can't find a shower or a clean place to wash your hands. Has that changed at all? You shared with us last month just how hard it it's been to to just do a few normal things to stay clean for your hygiene and the sake of your own health has there been any good movement on that front uh no there hasn't been much change in that um it varies so much by every town municipality it changes like crazy and it's hard to know 
where it's going to be uh, where we can get some decent services. <clears throat> but um, in Canada, it's worse than in the U.S. There's a lack of decent truck stops to start with and places that trucks can access for meals. And uh, that hasn't got any better. So last few weeks I've been down in the U.S. And that part is easier because the truck stops are larger and um, there's more competition for the truck stops. And they seem to be more interested in looking after the drivers. Whereas in Canada, you know, you get to some places and even though they're corporate, might be saying do this or do that they kind of take it into their own hands to do whatever they want and it's kind of frustrating david being in the u.s and you compare their COVID 19 numbers to canada's and the per capita situation and the protests that we've been seeing in the u.s to reopen the economy in the states that are doing so uh, does it make you uh, less uh, comfortable being south of the Canadian-American border on your health front, concerns for your health? Not for me, no, because generally I'm not out in public. Uh, You know, staying pretty much in my truck, at truck stops. Um, When I'm going to customers, they're, instead of me walking in, quite often they're bringing the paperwork out to me now. And so I'm kind of immune from mingling with normal people. So it doesn't really matter too much to me in that way. I just have to keep maintaining my own spaces and my own cleanliness and stuff like that. David, I want to thank you for your time. I know it's been a challenging few months, and and hopefully when we check in with you the next time, we'll see some improvement. Keep us posted on, on when you get to leave Missouri, okay? Okay. Thanks, Loren. Thanks, Greg and Brett. Have a great day. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, thank you very much for joining us this morning on 680 CJOB. Text message from Elaine. We were asking the question, did you venture out into the world yesterday and do some shopping? Or did you go sit on a patio? Or did you get a haircut? Elaine says, I went to Fabricland because I do a lot of sewing. My mom used to spend a lot of time in Fabricland. That was kind of like heaven for her for a number of years. I needed material for a newborn baby boy young man I've known since he was in kindergarten. Anyway, it was supposed to open at 10.30. I stood in line for well over an hour. They were letting people in four at a time. I would like to mention I live in Lockport, so coming in for material was not what I had hoped for, and there were 12 ladies in front of me did not have a prayer of getting in. Oh, so you didn't even, you didn't even get in, Elaine? Oh, man. That sucks, but you can let us know at 204-780-6868. And Loren, do you know, if we, if I go to a clothing store and like trying to sift through all the details, I'm terrible at absorbing all the details. You're much better at it. So if I go into a clothing store, for example, am I even allowed to try on clothes now? Yeah, I asked that question to John Graham yesterday after we spoke to him. He's with the Retail Council, and we had him on. And then after, after we finished the interview, someone texted with that very question about clothing and 
be said, there's actually no specific rules around clothing in terms of trying it on or not. So most of the stores are aiming for that physical spacing in change rooms, allowing for try on, and then they'll quarantine the clothing when it's returned or handed back. So the theory would be maybe the clothing doesn't all go back on the shelf. Or if you're returning clothing, I know Saskatchewan actually originally in its rollout plan said you can go shopping, but you won't be allowed to return clothes because what would they do without, you know, people who had touched them or even worn them and that the impact that could have. And they actually went back on that and changed the rules. So in Manitoba, as far as it goes, it's basically store by store. It's what the store is comfortable with, but you can probably try and close. And then if you return something, they'll probably have a special um, plan for that. It won't go back on store shelves, but it would be store to store, nothing overall in the public health order. I noticed at uh, Home Depot, they were setting things aside uh, because people are still returning things and they were putting dates on the cart and that would indicate when that product came back. So I have a sense that they're sort of letting those things sit before they consider putting them back into circulation. And in the States, I saw a story, uh, I think it was in Missouri, where they've reopened some things and at a mall and the clothing store has this steamer and they're putting all their clothes in this giant steamer. It looks like a six-foot-tall microwave oven and they put the clothing in the steamer after it's been tried on so that they can put it back into circulation. So there is some technology out there, uh, but once again, uh, a lack of complete clarity with regard to these rules. Some of us asking questions, we'll do our best to get all the answers. Yeah, because I want to go to Golf Town after the, store, or after the show today. I need a new glove because oh. I'm playing on Friday, but I just thought about that. Like, you can't try... How do you try on gloves? Like buying a golf glove, you got to try on like 10, 15 of them before you find Good the work, the right one. Do uh, you? Feel yeah, like that's you do. just a thing you guys all say. No, you got to you have to let the glove choose you. No, it's, you it's like a Harry Potter no. wand. You don't choose don't do the this. wand. The <laughs> wand chooses you. That's it's right. Glove, Brett. It's a glove. Hey, it's got to fit. It's got to fit. It's got to be comfy, but I can't try on 15 gloves in this day and age, so I guess I, I just got to pick one and hope for the best. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Question of the day at cjob.com. Brought to you by Mr. Furnace. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace at 204-832-6243. They put up a good one yesterday afternoon. This is a tight, tight race. Wow. Which are you more nervous about? Reopening Manitoba or murder hornets? 50.53% are in favor of reopening Manitoba. 49.47% are more nervous about murder hornets. Oh, my. So you can cast your vote at cjob.com. <laughs> this is how terrifying those things are. They are, it is a, an, a genuine horror show. Like, I, I, I'm not exaggerating when I say if you watch video of these things wiping out honeybee colonies, mm-hmm. it uh, nothing... I think gives me more anxiety than the idea of these things infiltrating Manitoba. Somebody texted us saying, why don't they just find these things and kill them? Well, that's what they're doing. They are searching for these murder hornets out in BC and Washington state. So hopefully they can find them and burn them with fire before they make their way out to Manitoba. So cast your vote at cjob.com. I think I'll throw that poll up on Twitter as well at 680 CJOB. Coming up after Global News at 8 o'clock, more on the challenges faced by the trucking industry. We're going to talk to Terry Shaw from the Manitoba Trucking Association. 
And then Steve Lambert from the Canadian Press is going to join us at 8.45 to talk about workforce reductions, pardon me, and what do they look like in the public sector. And in our next segment, your next chance to qualify for wishing I was fishing. But first... Breakfast with the Bombers, brought to you by the Cooperators. Find an advisor at cooperators.ca, a better place for you. The excitement surrounding the Blue Bombers Grey Cup Championship doesn't seem to be fading. Last week, it was the road to the Grey Cup video that the Blue Bombers made and released at bluebombers.com. You can watch it over and over again if you'd like. Every day, somebody on my social media Seems to be getting a copy of that incredible book the Blue Bombers commissioned. Ed Tate wrote up incredible pictures commemorating last season's road to the Grey Cup. So they're doing awesome stuff. And of course, the Heroes of Championship Way initiative has captured the emotion of the COVID-19 crisis by honoring our frontline workers and transforming them into superhero images, Loren. It's all been fantastic stuff by the Bombers, but of course we're still we're still looking for that fix, that sports fix. And one way sports television networks are filling programming is really by airing a lot of those classic games from years past. Some of those games might bring back great memories or maybe not so terrific memories, depending on who you're cheering for at the time. But CJOB, as we all know, is the radio home of the Blue Bombers. Bob Irving is the voice of the Blue Bombers and joins us now. Good morning, Bob. Oh, hang on a second, Evan. Oh, come on. Hang on one second here. So now I look like the, come on. There we go. Forte's got it. Bob, are you there? <laughs> I'm here. How are you guys? Uh, stumbling and bumbling, as Chris Berman would say, but uh, <laughs> we soldier on. Well, welcome on the show, Bob. Sorry about that. I'm going to pretend like I had a button to hit, but I'm not allowed to touch buttons, whether I'm working at home or in the studio. So here we are. Uh, what are we doing to reignite some of the memories of the of the last football season, Bob? Well, you mentioned that uh, TV outlets are looking for, you know, sports content, live sports content, and what they're doing is showing a lot of old games, uh, football games, hockey games, whatever. So Kelly Moore came up with the idea. Uh, usually, uh, the brainchilds in the sports area are, emanate from Kelly, and he called me last week and he said, why don't we replay some of those games at the end of the Blue Bomber Great Cup winning season? And not that he needed my permission, I said, well, that sounds like a great idea. So that's what we're going to do, starting with the final regular season game when the Bombers beat Calgary at home with Zach Kolaris making his debut at quarterback. And so we're going to run the the entire play-by-play of myself and, and Doug Brown uh, from that game on Friday, May the 15th at 7 o'clock. And this is on the, obviously, the May long weekend, 7-10, I guess we're going to start it. Then Saturday, we're going to run the West semifinal when the Bombers went to Calgary and beat the Stampeders. Sunday, May 17th at 7-10, we'll run the West final, that game in Regina, which was so thrilling right at the end when the Bombers came up with a bunch of goal line stands. That's one that will live in my memory forever, all the plays in that one as the game went back and forth or at least it got close at the end and the riders uh, came up just a little bit short and then on monday of the long weekend may 18th at seven o'clock in the evening we're going to run our post-game show from the gray cup win uh, we of course didn't have the broadcast rights to the game but we did a post-game show that lasted two hours myself doug brown and Greg and Christian O'Mell were on the field at McMahon Stadium interviewing Bomber players. We took phone calls. Clay Young was at the Corner of Portage in Maine interviewing fans. 
And that uh, two hours was just packed with emotion and excitement, and I think it really captured what winning the Grey Cup for the first time in 29 years meant to the Bombers and their fans. So that's what uh, Kelly and uh, Brent Williamson have come up with for the May long weekend. And, you know, I've seen some tweets from fans who uh, I think would enjoy this, and so we're going to give it to them. Bob, you know, spoiler alerts are not required for this. We know how it all went down. And yeah, we'll watch movies over and over again and, and re repeats of television shows, sitcoms in particular that we enjoy. But never really before has this been something that sports fans have been forced to do. I know lots of people who record games, but never do I typically get around to going back and watching a game I've already watched or attended. This is, this is sort of unique right now. And I think we're realizing how emotional it can still be, whether it's six months later, six years or 16 years later, uh, that, that emotion still, it still reaches us somehow. Yeah, for sure, Greg. And I would say this too, for the people who didn't get a chance to listen to the game, uh, and watched it, and there are those who will do that. Uh, this is a chance for them, I think, to relive those memorable bomber victories in a different way. Uh, and it does, uh, I think it is different, and I'm not blowing our horn, but I think it is different when you listen to it on on the radio and, you know, get some of the kind of the local view of myself and, and Doug. And, uh, yeah, I, I think uh, people are going to enjoy it, the, the diehard bomber fans who are, looking for their fix, as Loren called it. Boy, you're going to get it on the May long weekend on four, on four nights in a row. Well, I think, too, when you do revisit something like this, it, it you, you, you sort of develop almost a new appreciation or you pick up things you may have missed before. Like I've been watching that Last Dance documentary on Netflix, the Michael Jordan documentary, and even though I despised Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls in the 1990s, I loved basketball in the 90s. So going back and watching that stuff again... I can see, I understand why everybody loved Jordan because watching him play basketball was poetry in motion. Uh, so, so years later, I'm getting to sort of experience it all over again like it's the first time. So that just kind of echoes what you were talking about. When you go back and listen to a game that you may have watched, it's going to be like a brand new experience. Well, and those uh, four wins in the Grey Cup game in particular, but those wins at the end of the year, Right for bomber fans were so meaningful, and again, I bring up the 29 years because I think a lot of people and the, the the bomber fans who are so invested in the team at that point thought, oh well, here we go, another season where it's not going to work out for us. And then this, it was like a crescendo building in those four games with the final regular season win and then the win in Calgary, and so the, the excitement just ramped up with each game and climaxing with the, with the Grey Cup win. So. It really is, I think, close to home here in Winnipeg for Bomber fans in particular to relive that. And it's it's something I'm sure they'll enjoy immensely. I'm wondering before we let you go, Bob, we talked to you a couple of weeks ago just about all the things we're doing to keep ourselves entertained and busy. And this play, replaying of the games next weekend is a great way to be entertained. Have you found yourself watching anything where you thought to yourself, I got to, this is, I've gone too far. Like, I got to stop watching this. This is no good anymore because uh, I've now fallen too deep. Well, I watched the Grey Cup game two or three times and I've watched uh, the semifinal and final games a couple of times each and so I don't know that I need to watch them anymore I think you do reach a point where 
and I have a hard time. Some of the old hockey games, I know they're they're replaying on TV back from the the 80s uh, when the Edmonton Oilers were such a powerhouse. I can't get into that as as much as I know some people can. I, I like a little bit of it, and as uh, Brett referred to the Michael Jordan documentary, I started watching that last night, and I found it fascinating, and I'm looking forward to watching the rest of it. Uh, but I think there is a point where you go, okay, I can only live in the past and reminisce so much. But we're hoping on the May long weekend, <laughs> the Bomber fans will be ready for just a little bit more of all that. Bob Irving, the voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, joining us live on CJOB. Bob, thank you very much for this. Okay, you guys. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, 680 CJOB wants to hook you up with an angler's dream getaway from Winnipeg Custom Countertops and Cabinets. The contest is called Wishing I Was Fishing, and the, the grand prize, which we will give away next Monday, or this upcoming Monday, May 11th, is valued at over $6,000, with all kinds of goodies in there as well from the fishing holes. So here's the question at 204-780-6868. This has increased by more than 100% in the past six weeks. What is it? Let's start with Russ. Good morning, Russ. Good morning. Increased uh, 100% in the last six weeks. Uh, Oh, boy. That's (laughs) caught me right off guard on that one. First one up on the... Do you you have a guess, Russ? Oh, um, yes. Yeah. No, I don't know. Okay. Sorry, Russ. Nice, nice try. Sorry to catch me. Hey, that's the we, it's that's why it's a brain teaser. What is it, Jared? Do you know what it is? This has increased by more than one hundred percent in the past six weeks. Uh, I'm gonna say uh, like delivery services, like skip the dishes. That's a great guess, but uh, no, that's not the answer. Think maybe a little bit less local. There's a clue or a hint, Brenda. Do you know what it is? Um, making phone calls to family. No, that's not it. Um, but it also great. Yeah, stay in touch with your family. Call your call your parents. Rhonda, do you know what it is? Um, family watching movies together. Uh, watching is on the right track. But that's not it. But uh, well, it has something to do with something people have been watching. Marie, do you know what it is? Uh, I'm gonna say Netflix. Again, it, it's it, it. You could link the you could link the answer to that. I think indirectly, but okay, that's so not it. That's not it, Marie. Great guess, though. Derek, do you know what it is? Streaming services. No, not streaming services, but uh, similar to the last answer. The answer could have to do with this. Once we reveal the answer, it'll, you'll make the connection. Gary, do you know what it is? Yeah, I think so. Um, uh, my weight. Say that again. My weight. Your weight. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Gary, I love it, man. That's not the answer, but <laughs> All right, thank you. I'd love to give that to him on a technicality, like Cliff Clavin saying, "Who are three people who have never been in my kitchen?" It's not. He's not wrong. <laughs> he's not wrong. <laughs> it's not the answer. Uh, Glenn, this has increased by more than one hundred percent in the past six weeks. What is it? Uh, watching sports reruns. No, no, that's not it. I'm sorry. Think searching for something. How's that, Tony? Do you know what it is? Uh, I was going to say mail packages, but 
I missed the I missed the clue on searching for something, so I don't have it. <laughs> okay. Okay. Great guess. Great guess. There's a, one of my neighbors down the hall gets a package from Amazon every day sitting outside her door. Leanne, do you know what it is? Uh, is it Google searches? You are in the vicinity. As they, as they would say in NBA Jam, you're heating up, but uh, you're not yet on fire. So that's, but uh, it is, it has to do with a Google search. What is that search for? Marie, do you know? Is it uh, like medical websites or searches for medical? No, uh, no I'm afraid no. not, Marie. I'm sorry. Donna, do you know what it is? Um, searches on uh, politics. No, and what's not, going on in the world? Not politics. I'm sorry, Lana. Do you know what it is? Um, about the pandemic. No, Victor. Do you know what it is? Searching for TV shows or movies. No, has to do with a TV show. I'll give you that, but that's not the answer. Rod, do you know? Uh, just watching old movies. No. Think about, uh... Oh, no. Well, I... I There's a particular service that opened yesterday that it's kind of related to. Elizabeth, do you know? Uh, watching TV news about the corona... No, I'm afraid not. And I hate to be rude and abrupt, but we're all... We only got 30 seconds left here. Kelly, do you know what it is? I'm gonna say subscriptions to Netflix. No. Uh, tennis. Shopping online. No, not shopping online. Something that opened yesterday is part of the clue, yes? Yeah. Linked to something that opened yesterday. Something I did yesterday. Yes. Sue, do you know what it is? Well, I was going to say uh, recipes, cooking. No, I'm afraid not. So we're going to have to keep this going during the news break. So here's the question. This has increased by more than 100% in the past six weeks. What is it? We already nailed down Google searches. We've pointed to a clue, something I did yesterday. And we also said it could be tied to something people are watching. So that's the clue. Keep the calls coming at 204-780-6868. Hopefully we'll find a winner. You guys texted answers that were 95% correct. The question was, this has increased by more than 100% in the past six weeks. What is it? And this was a hard-fought victory for our qualifier today. For Wishing I Was Fishing, which is an incredible contest, a grand prize valued over $6,000, which we will give away here on the start on May 11th, courtesy of Winnipeg Custom Countertops and Cabinets and a whole bunch of goodies from the fishing hole. And you can get all those details at cjob.com. This prize includes a weekend at Q Lake Lodge, a three-night stay for up to six guests, which includes guided fishing on a boat, and I have, uh, so we did what, five, call, five minutes of calls on the air. I'm looking at a piece of audio here that's seven and a half minutes, uh, another one that's three and a half minutes, and another one four minutes. Uh, oh, my word. Just a phone call after phone call that were very, very close. So I just, I've pulled a sample here before we get to the winner because we don't, don't want to just reveal it. We got we to gotta work our way towards it, create just a, a couple more minutes of drama. So this, well, here's one example. Hi, what's your name? Shelly. Hello there, Shelly. This has increased by more than 100% in the past six weeks. What is it? Googling quarantine haircuts. You're almost there. Almost there. <laughs> okay. I can't quite give that to you. And then once you hear the answer, you'll understand why. Oh, okay. Okay, thanks. Now, Loren and Greg, you both texted at exactly the same time. Uh, when we Come got on, it. I was first. Okay, fine. <laughs> 
Typical journalist. <laughs> I was first. <laughs> I get to talk first. <laughs> Cutting your own hair, and Greg was videos on how to cut your own hair. And I felt so bad because here's another example. People giving themselves haircuts. Almost there, but not so. quite. That's from Diane. This is Marie. Okay, I know it's got to do with hair and whatever, so I'm going to say they're Googling what what their hours are going to be, like when they're open. No. So it was all in that kind of vicinity of hair. Someone said clippers. Here's what Dwight had to say. Hey, Dwight, this has increased by more than 100% in the past six weeks. What is it? Self-haircutting. Almost there. 95% there, but not quite. <laughs> it What's has to be more mi- specific. When you hear the answer, you'll know why. Come on. <laughs> What's the missing piece to the puzzle, McGarry? Here we go. This is Glenn. Hi, this is CJOB. What's your name? Glenn. Hey, Glenn, this has increased by more than 100% in the past six weeks. What is it? Uh, searching a mullet haircut. Say that again, please, Glenn. Uh, searching for a mullet haircut. Glenn, after <laughs> a, a, almost, I think, 100 phone calls and probably 30 of them on how to cut your own hair, you, sir, are correct. How to oh. cut a mullet. That's great. I don't have one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good for you. Yeah, so I, every time someone would say how to cut your own hair, I'd feel bad because they're, they're almost there. Like they're, they're, okay. they're in the batter's box, but they still got to hit that pitch out of the park. And Glenn nailed it, how to cut a mullet. And I, I suspect this has to do with Joe Exotic, the Tiger King. On Netflix, because that documentary debuted on March 20th, right around when everything started to shut down. And uh, I don't know, maybe people going a little squirrely thinking, ah, a mullet sounds like a great idea. Why not? Is it also possible there were zero people Googling this before and then one did and therefore it went up 100% or whatever the math would be on that? (laughs) That's possible. Nobody was interested in it. and now, (laughs) No, I think there's a lot of people that were joking about mullets because it'd be the easiest thing to do right everyone's hair is longer you just keep the length going and put party in the back and business Business. in the front yeah and i actually dated a woman in the fall who i went out a few times with this woman who she did she cut her her son's hair into a mullet just for fun she thought it would be funny and apparently he thinks it's funny uh i thought that that seems kind of cruel but they were both they were both happy so hey whatever but uh yeah mullets Mm. And there were a lot of mullets when I, like a lot of the kids I went to school with had mullets in the 80s. And I'm trying to think back if I ever had anything even remotely close to one. And I don't think so. What about the rat tail? I never had the rat tail. I had the uh, the lines that you shaved into the side, but I never had a rat tail. Uh, Mackling, what about you? You ever have a mullet? Well, I just sent you guys a picture from my 21st birthday that I put on Facebook yesterday because it's a picture of me with my mom, my grandma, and my great-grandma, all three of those wonderful ladies have passed away uh, leading up till Mother's Day. And I got all sorts of great response here, but I'm wondering, uh, is that a mullet? Does that count as a mullet? I don't think so. And by the way... it's pretty long in the back. The responses were that you looked like Patrick Swayze, maybe a bit of Rob Lowe. I, I feel bad saying this knowing it was such a nice moment in the lead up to Mother's Day. But I felt like in this photo, you were already thinking about your night on the town. Like your eyes are like, where am I going next? I'm going to. Oh, I'm. I got uh, oh, to stock that, me some prey. Let me tell you. Let me tell you that photograph is taken after about three or four hours of partying 
at Chi Chi's with about 40 people in a dining room there. And no I am, I am, uh, I'm on the other side of uh, happy. Let's put it that way. So I was uh, just trying to contain myself in that picture. Oh, okay. Well, I, yeah, I kind of thought like you could, you'd fit right into uh, complete with the outfit too. Like you fit right in with some sort of a hairband. Like I just pictured you sort of, you know, nurse, like kind of holding a giant bass guitar. Uh, you know, with your your knees kind of spread, just banging your head, uh, seeing I that get behind that, that idea. Would would you call that hair uh, permed? Oh, now uh, no, that was that one's not permed. The one I sent you guys the other day from my football days that was a perm. That is my Sammy Hagar hair. So that's that's completely different. Oh, okay, that that's is, the one I'm thinking of. Mm, yeah, no, I just sent you one in the last couple of minutes here, and uh, oh. I, I think. Technically, you might call it a mullet because it is quite long in the back, but it's long on the top as well. But uh, no, it's just a anyway. feather. It's a feathered '80s look. Yeah, feathered, feathered. Oh yeah, 80s okay, look. I see it now. 1990. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't count that as a mullet. Yeah. Okay. Good. Good. Yeah. Good. Good. All right. I was worried there for a few moments. Yeah, I think that actually looks pretty sharp. Oh, you, you said you. you're going to grow your hair out. You, maybe you should grow this back. I don't know. My hair, my forehead's a lot taller now than it was then. (laughs) Good more forehead. (laughs) It'll just grow out in the back and not the front. Yeah, exactly. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, thank you so much for joining us on The Start. Security guards wearing masks, hairstylists wearing gloves, one-way aisles, and hand sanitizer at the door. If you've been out at all in the last 24 hours, you know that shopping, getting a haircut, going to the doctor is all looking and feeling very different. Well, think about this. A majority of our communication is purported to be nonverbal. So put that in the back of your head as we talk about this. Masks hide our facial expressions. They prevent people from knowing what we're thinking. If we're scowling or smiling and if you're a frontline worker, that can be very difficult. Our next guest normally works as a radiology technologist at Cancer Care Manitoba, where her main job was mammography, an x-ray of the breast. But when the pandemic hit, services were suspended and she was assigned to the task of screening patients for COVID-19 before letting patients into the building, Loren. In Lorraine's words, the scripted questions that she's since had to ask Manitobans that it might already be battling with cancer or a possible cancer diagnosis left her struggling also with many emotions. So she wrote a poem called, I See You. It's a touching tribute to the patients she serves and the challenges of navigating a system that prevents them from even having a family member or friend come to them to a cancer, come with them to a cancer appointment because of concerns over COVID. So we're going to share with you more from, about that poem and the poem in its entirety in a moment. But first, we wanted to welcome on Lorraine Manson. Good morning, Lorraine. Good morning. Thanks so much for being with us this morning. Tell us a bit first about the process of screening someone who comes into cancer care. What kind of questions are you asking and, and what are you seeing from those patients? Uh, essentially, what we do is, uh, as they present themselves, we ask them a series of uh, scripted questions uh, just to uh, reduce the uh, potential transmission of COVID-19. And, um, and once they've passed those questions, then they're allowed to proceed on to their appointment or treatments. The poem that you wrote, what prompted you to write it? Um, when I was redeployed, I honestly was not expecting the large range of emotions I would face while working with our patients. 
uh, I found myself going home after work. I could see, uh, and I couldn't get the patients out of my head. I could uh, truly see their faces from the minute they came into our doors through the entire screening process until they were on their way to their appointment and treatments. And I, I could literally put my, myself in their shoes and I could, and I could actually see that. I could, I could almost experience it. And so it just prompted me to write about it and it became an outlet for me and almost stress reliever to let it out somehow on paper. Yeah, that expression of how you're feeling and to sit down and really think about it and create this composition. It's beautiful, Lorraine, and we've seen some wonderful things with regard to frontline workers and those in the medical field in particular. I don't know if you saw uh, the doctors, I I believe it was in New York uh, or Italy, one of the two, where they were, of course, wearing full-on PPE, and what they'd done is they'd taken pictures and printed off pictures of themselves, of their faces, and taped them to their PPE so that patients could understand, get a better idea of what they look like behind all that layer of protection just to try and create a stronger connection with those folks. Yes, I did see that. That's pretty powerful stuff. It was, yes. It's powerful to see what people are are thinking and feeling. And I think, Lorraine, one thing that struck me with your poem, you mentioned how you could put yourself in in the minds and the space of that person walking in. Uh, it's a stressful time to to navigate a healthcare system at any time, mm-hmm. let, let alone now. So if you wouldn't mind, I'd love it if you would read from your poem. It's called I See You Through the Eyes of a COVID-19 Cancer Care Manitoba Screener. Lorraine, could you, could you give it a read for us? Certainly. I see you, beautiful patient. I see you tentatively walking up to our front entrance double doors. I see the look of confusion on your face as you enter and are greeted with do not proceed signs, directional arrows, and staff covered from head to toe in personal protection equipment. I see you strain to comprehend what is expected out of you between a high level of background noise and the muted voices of screening staff behind masks. I see your patience, your understanding as we address our scripted COVID-19 questions towards you six feet apart. I see you wanting to do your best to please us with your honest answers, eager to sanitize your hands. I see your fear, your confusion as we turned away your loved ones, your distress and uneasiness, knowing you must endure your appointments and your treatments alone. But above Above all, I see your courage as you struggle with your health, your fears, and yet you still manage a smile, pleasant conversation, and gratitude for keeping you safe. I hope you see the smile behind my mask. I hope you see the admiration, the empathy I have for you. I hope you see how much you have taught me in this uncertain time about strength, resilience, and the beauty of humanity, because I see you, beautiful patient. That's very of lovely, Lorraine. I, I'd love to know what reaction you've got to that. I think the part that really struck me is that the strength. So now you're talking about somebody who may already have had a cancer diagnosis, might be getting a cancer diagnosis in maybe one of the worst spots of their life, mm-hmm. being met at the door with somebody who's in a mask for, you know, and they, you can't touch them, let them know mm-hmm. how you're feeling. You can't smile at them. And I'm curious what you've heard from patients since you've written that poem. Um, well, the response has been lovely. Um, uh, I've had people reach out to me um, through me through email, through social media. Uh, some some were patients themselves at one point or another, or that had loved loved ones that were, and they could uh, relate to what I had written. My coworkers as well. I think they were just very thankful to see their emotions, what we were all feeling, put into words, and they sent me some lovely messages as well. You paint a. A pretty powerful picture here, just even from the first line, I see you tentatively 
walking up to our front entrance double doors, just the idea of having to, to walk in alone, uh, even though you're not, you're, when you walk in, you're going to be greeted by staff mm-hmm. and you'll be certainly guided from there. But in, just in terms of the, the changes that have been made to people going to the hospital, you know, like when they, when they are alone, how do you get the feeling that they, they feel, even though you're with them, that they just feel completely alone? Yes, they, you can see it in their eyes that they just feel completely alone and completely lost and just just the fear on their face as well. And they're trying to just process everything that's coming at them all at once and they're having such a difficult time. And you truly just want to reach out and hug them and you know you can't. Lorraine, we've we've discussed for years this idea of of advocacy and and having an advocate at your side uh, during treatment, during uh, a variety of different appointments, medical appointments. It's so important. I, my my Baba used to go with my grandpa all the time because he would miss stuff and he mm-hmm. he didn't hear as well as he used to. And so then you add this layer of a mask and then being all alone in what's probably one of the most stressful times of your entire life. There are compounding issues here that are, are being created for folks that are, are, are coming in to, to, to get their treatments. Mm-hmm. And that's also why I feel that they are so brave because that's a lot to take on. They have so much on their plate and they honestly just march in here and do what they need to do. And I find that fascinating. Has it changed anything for you, Lorraine, you know, going forward? I think we all are having that conversation now. What have I learned from this? What will I hope to do different or be different or be better? Mm -hmm. And I'm curious now as someone within the system, uh, having seen it this way through these eyes behind that mask, what might change for you going forward in terms of how you do your job when you return uh, to doing those mammographies and those tests for people who might have breast cancer? Yeah, exactly. I'm always, uh, I'm so appreciative for the things that come into my life as a result of unexpected things. And I honestly feel this has really taught me to really remember to put yourself in that person's shoes, whether I am you're my 10th mammogram of the day or my 17th, that you're still, this is for you, your experience. And just to remember that and to try to sympathize with that. Greg, you have any final thoughts before we let Lorraine go? Well, Lorraine, just thank you so much for what you're doing. Uh, th- this is a, a, a calling, I've always said, for what people in your line of work uh, do. It's, it's not a job, it's a way of life. And, and thanks for putting that human touch on it uh, all the time. But putting your, your words to paper here has been a very powerful thing uh, to experience and to share with us. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG, that's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon. Canada may be known for its landscapes and friendly people, but beneath the surface lies a darker side of crime, history, and the paranormal. Since 2017, the award-winning Dark Poutine podcast has explored the shadowy corners of the Great White North and beyond, delivering chilling tales from a uniquely Canadian perspective. 
Hosted by Mike Brown and Matthew Stockton with over 300 episodes and fresh releases every Monday, Dark Poutine is your weekly ticket to the creepier side of Canada. Listen to Dark Poutine on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.